Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we are grateful this morning. Such a privilege to stand in your presence without a sense of guilt or condemnation. We are grateful that we are called by your name. Thank you for bringing us together this morning to fellowship with you and with one another. Thank you for your spirit who is here to do us good. Thank you for your eternal word. A lamp unto our feet, light on our paths. Speak, Lord, we ask. Help us to be doers and not hearers alone. Thank you for the blessings and benefits of the gospel that will be seen in all our lives. With gratitude we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. It's wonderful to be here this morning. And um, the privilege is mine. That's the truth. I love the atmosphere in this place. I mean the spiritual atmosphere. And I'm telling you the honest truth. And uh, well, when I came in, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Felix, for bringing me. He's been looking after me since yesterday. Thank you very much for Pastor Conley and his dear wife. Um, you, you have such lovely people in leadership here, and I'm telling you the honest truth. You know, if I don't think so, it's Bible, they say I should come and preach. Yeah, so I don't need to say any other thing. I'm just going to the world street, you know, but I, I love the atmosphere here. I love your worship. I love what I see and what I sense, most importantly. And I saw a lady uh, on the drums and saw another lady at the guitar. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was something. I, I used to drum long ago. And um, when my wife and I were in the choir in the university, wow. so I, I used to drum, and uh, my face would just be coy while drumming. And <laughs> my wife would spoil her face. You know, and I thought, what? I thought, uh, you know, I didn't complain, fortunately. I didn't say anything, you know. When you don't understand something, you better keep your mouth shut. Yeah, so I didn't say anything. I just thought, why did you see? You know, my own face was still straight while I drowned, that kind of thing. I wanted I had a choir master say that uh, when something's going wrong, all you need to do is look at Bridget's face. That's my wife's name, Bridget. You just look at her face. Oh, really? I thought really, so there's something. I, I thought, uh, why must you spoil your face, you know? I mean, the poor lady was worshipping, and then she, I thought she spoiled her face. I mean, like, your face can't still be, you know, that's what I thought. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't say it out, like I said. It's much later. So when the choir, our choir master now said that, you know, that uh, uh, when something is going wrong, that means she, she wouldn't even notice because she was worshipping. I, I would notice. If one was wrong, you know, if someone wasn't quite so, yeah, it, uh, you know, I wanted it to be that way, but she didn't even notice, you know. She just, she was gone. And the spirit, and uh, so I realized that was a blessing. And so seeing a lady uh, at the drums, and uh, when, when pastor's wife, Pastor Mrs. just knelt down there. I just remembered my wife because that's what she would have done at that kind of time, maybe, you know. So I, I, I feel very comfortable being here. And I love being here. That, that's just the truth. You know, yeah. I've been here only a few minutes. Just, I've been here for just minutes. I love being here. There are places you don't, you are there. You are not, you just want to finish and go. I don't feel like that now. I feel like staying, you know. I feel like staying, man. So I'm having a wonderful time. That's the truth. So it's good to be here. And um, I have a simple thing to share. There's nothing I'm going to tell you that pastor hasn't told you before. That, that's just true. I'm just going to say it my own way. And it's going to be very simple. Trust me. I've titled my message, Facts and Fables. Facts and Fables. Second Timothy chapter 4. From the first verse. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
convince, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I said I'm talking about facts and fables. Incidentally, my wife sends her love. Yeah, she, she said that I should greet you. and So, so I, I'm greeting you on her behalf. <laughs> Where your faith is hinged is very important. As a believer, I've seen some things written out there, so I have an idea of what you believe, where you stand, and all of that. Where your faith is hinged as a Christian is important. I said we're talking about facts and fables. Let me tell you a story I came across long ago, and it's still a blessing to me today. There were three people on a war, winding war. The name of the person in front was Fact. The name of the second person was faith. The name of the person who took the rear was experience. So please say fact. Fact. Say faith. Faith. Say experience. Experience. Thank you. Only fact knew the way around the winding wall. Faith did not experience it, not either. So the plan was for fact to keep walking. He was familiar with it. And all faith needed to do was to follow fact. As long as faith followed fact, it was fine. It was dark and um, you could miss your footing and fall. So faith was just to stay glued to fact. Just look at fact. Keep your eyes on fact. So if fact turned right, faith turned right, experience also was just to look at faith. So where fact turned, faith followed, experience followed. You know, and that way they went and there was no problem. And after a while, faith took his eyes off fact to see how experience was doing. So when he turned to experience, because he wasn't following fact, he missed his footing and fell. And since experience was following him, experience fell as well. Here is a simple thing. As long as your faith is kept on the fact of God's word, your experiences will line up. Can I say that again? As long as your faith is built on the fact of God's word, it's a matter of time, your experiences will line up. Now, your experiences may seem contrary to God's word now. But just keep your faith on the fact of God's word. It's a matter of time your experiences will follow. But when you take your faith off the fact of God's word and look at your experiences, your faith will fail. And your experiences will fail as well. If that's all you hear today, that's fine. Just keep your faith on the fact of God's word. It's a matter of time your experiences will follow. You might be struggling academically now. Your marriage may not be quite what you think. Your health may not be the best now in the natural. But just keep your faith on the fact of God's word. Your experiences will line up. But when you take your faith on the fact of God's word to see how your experiences are doing, your faith will fail and your experiences also will fail. So it matters where your faith is hinged. What is fact? We're talking about facts and fables, don't forget. Facts are simply actualities, realities. Things that are definitely, absolutely so. Where fables are, you know, all those tortoise and rat stories, you know, they are fables. Training goatee, I look goatee, training goatee. But we're not cool, I look goatee. One that lady, I don't even know the story. This is something that. Okay, you know, so let. Okay, one person, okay, one person knows about it. 
So all those thoughts that arise, think they are fables, right? So fables many times are things that really don't exist, that are imagined to teach morals usually, but could be outright lies or false things. So we are to hinge our faith on the fact of God's word and not on things people say or think or imagine. There are many fables in King, King Christianity or the kingdom and if you put your faith on those things, you are deceiving yourselves. Because your faith is going to fail, your experiences also will fail. But as long as your faith is based on the fact of God's word, your experiences are going to line up. So we're going to look at some of those fables this morning and see what God has to say because faith's foundation must be built on God's word. Firstly, once you come to Christ, or once you come to our church, your problems are over. It's a fable. It's not true. Many Christians have problems. As a matter of fact, if you and the devil never collide, that means you are walking in the same direction. Fact, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's look at a few more scriptures. First Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are talking about victory, it means there's something to overcome. So that the devil is opposing you now or hindering something you are doing now should not be news. The Bible says you count all joy when we face diverse trials and temptations. That's part of how we develop muscles. Nobody develops muscles by doing nothing. You exert yourself against something. You push against something. That's how muscles develop. And so God permits those things to happen because that's how come we develop faith muscles. I was speaking yesterday, and uh, my sister was there, as has been said, and I referred along the line to years ago, like eight years ago, we were at a second service in church, and armed robbers, armed robbers came in shooting. You know, yeah, we, we just said gunshots in the hall. Can you imagine as we are now? You know, if you've heard a gunshot before, you can't mistake it if you hear it again. <laughs> yeah, right inside the building. And a couple of weeks after that, my daughter, who was a final year America student then, was involved in an accident. And uh, you remember Newton's first law of motion? Everybody continues instead of rest or uniform motion unless compiled by an external force to act otherwise. It was uh, a fellowship bus taking them to a small town known as Ibora, you know, your state, where American students in UCH uh, would go to have their, their elective or some, some rural posting, something like that. And uh, you know this buses, fellowship buses, no seat belts. He wasn't even in front. Probably it's very wrong. Anyway, she, she didn't have a seat belt like every other person. And the vehicle was traveling, and there was a tire bust, and the vehicle was from assaulted. And uh, she was flung out through the windscreen. She, she wasn't the only person who was injured. But interestingly, all those who were badly injured were children of ministers of the gospel. You see? And she went out through the windscreen, and you know the, the speed with which the vehicle was traveling would be the speed with which she would go out. Her back was broken. Her thigh was broken. Her thigh bone, her hip was broken. You know? And, and I'm talking about, see, as you have the x-ray today, her backbone was broken right through. You know, if you had studied even O-level biology, you know spinal cord is something soft that's inside. So for the bone to break through and the spinal cord was intact, that, that could only have been God. I still thank God this morning. This happened like eight years ago. I just remember this morning again when I was, you know, praying this morning and I, I began to thank God over that again. Because when I was wheeling her up, on a wheelchair at that time, I was thanking God because, you know, 
the church I pastor is not far from the University College Hospital, where she was a student, and they had a ramp, and I would be wheeling her up to the fourth floor. And many people, I would see, I behaved as if I didn't see. I saw people, people would come to the college and be looking at me because they recognized me because I pastor each other from there. As a matter of fact, the current CMD of UCH is a member of the church I pastor. So people knew me there, and uh, all my children went through there and all that. And I would see many people on the corridor looking, and I would say to God, Lord, I thank you that I'm willing her up this way. Even if I have to do this for life, I'm grateful that you spared her life. But I know she's going to walk on her feet in this same place that we see her. Now she's a senior registrar in radiology in the same hospital. And so people who saw me push her, see her walking around as though it never happened now. It's a testimony now. now she was on her back for months. She had to go outside the country to have surgery and all that. But if you see her today, you think I'm telling lies. No sign on her body anywhere. Nothing to suggest it ever happened. She's married now. She has her own son now who is so attached to me. That boy is so attached to me. Even in church, if she's in church, she hears my voice. Grandpa, she wants to run. It's good to be called Grandpa. Let me tell you the truth. And African, you know, I need to pinch myself. Me, Grandpa. When did they give back? She, yeah, I'm a boy as far as I'm concerned. Three people now call me Grandpa. <laughs> Hallelujah. But a few weeks after armed robbers came shooting the same door, don't wouldn't it seem like the glory has departed? Yeah. <laughs> but we are still alive and well. God's work is going on strong. Yeah, you see, the honest truth is to say that because one is born again or that you're a member of our church, problems are over in life, it's a fable. But thank God for Christ who gives us a victory through them all. No matter the affliction, I just thank God because he delivers us from them all. I don't know what you are going through now. I don't know where the shoes are pinching now. I don't know where the issue is. I can tell you that as long as your faith is based on the fact of God's word, it's a matter of time. You will forget about it. It will become a testimony. Please shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Second fable this morning. What you don't know won't hurt you. It's a fable. Have you heard that saying before? What you don't know won't hurt you. It's a fable. Ask Uriah. Yeah. What Uriah didn't know killed him. Second Samuel 11. David was supposed to be at war. The Bible says there was a time, it was springtime, when kings were to war. See, you better be where you are supposed to be. Yeah. If you're a member of the choir in this church, you better be there. Because there are some things that God has put in place for where you are supposed to be. Yeah. If David had been where he was supposed to be, he would not have seen Bathsheba bathing naked. Because the Bible says it was a time kings went to war. Was David a king? Yes, he was. Then why wasn't he at war? Because he had become comfortable. He could fix things, now he could handle things, so there was no need for him to be like the boys anymore. You know, when we go on evangelism as a church, we still do that. Sometimes people see me, and some recognize me, and they say, oh, even you, and I thought, who should obey the Bible if not the pastor? Yeah, people seem surprised that I'm physically involved in door-to-door evangelism, like the rest of the church. They expect me to be home and send the boys. The boys should obey God then the man of God should disobey God. Say, so, oh, even you, who should, if, if not you, who, who should obey God? I see myself as a member of our intercessory team, and so I join to pray. I sit down. I attend like any other person. So I'm part of a team in church, like every other person is. Because I'm first of all a Christian. Are you listening to me? I'm not a man of God to God. I'm just a Christian. So I read the Bible as a Christian to obey. 
I pray as a Christian. I'm a Christian. Because it's supposed to be a minister and not a Christian. It's more important to be a Christian. So, David was supposed to be at war. He wasn't at war. He was home. So, because he was not where he was supposed to be, he saw what he was not supposed to see. So, I hope you are part of a team in this church. I hope you are involved. You are doing something. Every part of the human body plays a function. You should be playing a function. So, just by being where he was supposed to be, it will have saved him all that mess. Anyway, he was home and he saw Bathsheba bathing naked. Does anybody bathe clothed? Everybody bathes naked. Yeah. So he was high up. He wasn't supposed to be there. That was the issue. But he was there and saw what he shouldn't have seen. And then since he could afford it, you know. But be careful when you can afford something. So he asked for them to call Bathsheba. And Bathsheba came. And the rest of history slept with her. You know, you can find yourself doing what you thought you could never do in life. Believe me. And so David did that. Man after God's own heart slept with somebody else's wife. And this guy was, look at the list of the mighty men of David. You read the Hittite was one of them. Not only that, that he was a Hittite, it meant he wasn't a Jew to start with. It means he, he, he was a convert, if you like. So you can imagine the mess, the embarrassment. Where was God? The same place he was when his son died on the cross. Because sometimes we go through this and we're saying, where is God? Yeah, the same place he was when his son died on the cross. So he got to know the woman just sent a note, I'm pregnant. If somebody sends that note to you, it won't mean anything to you. But I'm pregnant is innocent, isn't it? I'm pregnant. Oh, praise God, you are pregnant. But for David, <laughs> mentioned, once is enough. Somebody say once is enough. Because you, sometimes people seem to think you have to sleep with somebody many times before they get pregnant. I slept with her only once. Maybe slept only once. Once is enough. I'm with child. That's all she sent. And David said, I'm in soup. So, he arranged for Uriah to come. You know the story very well. Uriah came and David welcomed him very well. And David gave him a lot of stuff. You know, David was a blessing to him. David was a kind man. David was nice. And all David was after was you've been away from war, at war, you have come home, you will rush home and sleep with your wife. So you see, according to David, if you've traveled and you come home and you are not excited to see your wife and nothing happens, something's wrong with your marriage. Because David's point was if you've been away, when you come home, you'll be so eager to see your wife and the next thing you'll sleep with each other. And then when the issue of pregnancy comes up later, say that day you came home. Now, okay, 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 okay. That's all David wanted. He just wanted to cover it up. But Uriah was so patriotic, he didn't go home. He slept where the servants of David slept. And David got to know the following. You didn't go home? Hmm. Okay, so he arranged for him to get drunk. Anybody who has been drunk before knows that when you drink, there are some things that you wouldn't do before that you will see not do, even though you are drunk. So the guy didn't go home. I mean, David wanted to make it easy for him. Go home now. The guy didn't go home. Well, so you will have to die. So when David was nice and all of that, see, thank God, God knows the things behind the scenes. Because Uriah died thinking David was a fantastic leader. Unknown to him, David was very mean. David was going to kill him. And David was giving him stuff and he thought David was nice. Sometimes you are misunderstood. Pastors misunderstand everybody. Look at what happened to, to Eli. How Eli misunderstood Hannah. Hannah's Anna, mouth, she, 
She didn't even say it out. And I said, maybe he put on his Sunday voice and said, Amen. Put away your drink, oh man. Ah, even pastor. Yeah. I poured out my heart. So pastors can misunderstand you. So if your work with God is based on pastor, because pastor is human. Pastor is working with God too. So Uriah gave, David gave Uriah a letter to take to Joab that put him, post him at the worst place of war and withdraw from him so that he will die. When I saw that long ago, I said to myself, I'm not going to ever take a letter somewhere that has to do with me and I don't know what is inside. Because if Raya had opened that letter, he would not have delivered it. And guess what? When I was a youth cop, it happened, happened to me. I was rascally, you know. I got to Kano. I saw them putting, I used to be a dental surgeon. So, the, 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 have you seen those dental needles before? Yeah, they will carry one heavy thing and put it in your mind. You see like that? I don't know why. I thought by now. They were anyway. So, and then we were using Savlon, an antiseptic. They didn't give us, you uh, were supposed to use, you know, one needle per person, that kind of thing. And then in this government place where I, I served in Kano, they, they would just put Savlon, they would just put it inside Savlon and use it for the next person. No HIV at that time, fortunately. And uh, sometimes to put the needle through, the needle, you know, it's supposed to be a fine needle that will go in easily into your oral mucosa, the, the, the stuff in your mouth will just go in easily. This one will have been used for so many people that you would have to put it in, it will not go, it will, it will bend, and you have to force it out. I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm not going to use this. My boss was an Egyptian at that time, and I, I thought, these are not your people. You see, in Nigeria, we are one of those people at the time. Under this current leadership, you think north, south, west, east, anything that happens. If you hear somebody think you're thinking east, west, south. Before, it wasn't like that. I wouldn't serve in Kano easily. I wouldn't let my child serve in Kano now. So, I thought, this guy, you're not from here. You're an Egyptian. You can make them use this in February. I won't. So, I made an issue out of it. I talked. You know, my colleagues, we made noise about that. I said, we're not going to use this. This is not what is right. Everybody's supposed to. So, well, the next thing that happened... The man posted us to far away places. I didn't tie it together. I was smart enough to later. So I went, they pushed me. So, you know, we needed accommodation. He now gave me a note. That's what took me to the story. Give us a note to, to go and deliver at Heavy Services Management Board. So I remembered Uriah that he took a letter. He didn't know what was inside. So I opened it and I saw that the man said we were troublesome. That they should put... <laughs> I didn't deliver the letter till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so Uriah died. So to say what you don't know won't kill you is a lie. Uriah died. Acts chapter 12. The Bible tells us how that James was killed and because it pleased the Jews, Herod decided to take Peter to kill him as well. And an angel delivered him. We know the story very well. And the following morning, the guys were still there who were keeping him. And he was gone. They had no idea what happened. They were fast asleep. And then they sent for them and examined them. Now, did they know what happened? No. Did they not kill them? Yes. So to say what you don't know won't hurt you. His deception is fable. It's falsehood. What you don't know can kill you. So you better know. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah 5, 13, my people have gone to captivity because of lack of knowledge. Knowledge is important. Whom you know 
I know we are familiar with this scripture, but let's read it anyway. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. Say, I know whom I have believed. Please say it again. I know whom I have believed. Please say it one more time. I know whom I have believed. First Corinthians 2, 12. Hear this. Now we have received, not we shall receive, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been given freely to us by God. Part of why the Holy Ghost is in our lives is for us to know the things that have been freely given to us by God. If you don't know what you have, it won't do you any good. So the Holy Ghost lives in us to enable us to know because there is so much of God to enjoy. I keep saying you can enjoy serving God. I've said it forever. I'm serving God. I told you about what our daughter went through. It didn't, there was no issue. We did not raise any prayer point in church for some people to start praying around the clock 24 7. There was no need. Daniel had been praying before regularly and then he knew something was signed by the king and all that. He just continued doing what he was doing before. If what you are doing before is fine, you'll keep doing it. You see, our Christianity is not for God's good. It's for our good. God is already God. He can't be more God. Neither can he be less God. Before I served him, he was God. When I'm serving him now, he's God. If I choose not to serve him, he's still God. So it's for my good. It's for my sake. There was no need to, to, de- to start saying some people should start. No, no. We were Christians before. We were working with God before. That happened. It didn't cross my mind. When I saw our daughter, when it was brought together, I mean, I, based on my training in the past, it was, it was easier for her to have died. Actually. It never crossed my mind once that she would die. My wife and I never discussed once. You know, between husband and wife, you can say, this child, oh, let her not die or something. Not once. That discussion never happened. It never crossed my mind that she would not be fine. As a matter of fact, you know what I did? I took her photographs and one nurse was angry with me. How can you be taking photographs at this time? She didn't know what I was doing. There's a book written by a daughter now with that photograph in front. If I didn't capture it, because I knew there was going to be a testimony. I wanted her to look how she looks now. So that when people see her later, they're going to see. The day she got married, we put maybe 100 trumpeters together or something. At the time, just before the service will be over, I said that she showed the video of those things, how she was, every stage of her recovery when she walked, and these trumpeters blasted. If the devil had known what was going to happen, you know the, you know the Bible says he will not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil knew that one day, one small child can say, in Jesus' name, and the demon will have to come out. If he only had, ah, yeah, if only he had known. But thank God for what we know. Whom we know and what we know. Many years ago, a lady brought somebody to my office. She wanted to get married to him. And I asked her, are you born again? She was a member of the church I pastor. Was, because she's late, unfortunately. Yeah, she said, I'm born again. I asked the man, are you born again? He said, I'm a Catholic. I said, that's not a question. I asked, are you born again? He said, I'm a Catholic. So, are you born again? He said, I'm a Catholic. I asked again, are you born again? He said, all that born again matter. That in my family... We don't believe in it. I'm not born again. And I said to the lady, I like this man. He's telling you the truth up front. <laughs> it's not deceiving you. He's telling you all that born again. Well, now somebody who, who describes born again that way. The Bible says that where children of God is an issue. Behold what manner of love the Father has put on that we should call the sons of God. Now who the sons of God? It's an issue that you are a child of God. And somebody dismisses it that way. And say, in my family, we don't. Meaning not just that I'm not born again now. I'm unlikely to be born again. I, 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 and that's who you want to marry? I said, he's telling you the truth. I like him. He's not hiding it. 
He's telling you the truth. He's not deceiving. He's not pretending. He said he's not going to, hey, Pastor, you know, she thought she was getting on in years, you know, and all that. And anyway, I said, this church can't be involved. I won't be involved personally. It's, not, it's up to you. You're an adult. If you want to marry, well, marry, but not, it's not going to be under the circumstances here. So she left church and told somebody, fortunately, that pastor advised her against this marriage and all that. But she went ahead because she was going on in years. When she was going to have her first child, because we run a hospital, the church has a hospital. When she was going to get married, when she got married and had her first child, she even came to deliver the child in that hospital. So she believed in the work all the while. It's just that she needed to, she had to marry this guy. And later that child died. And then they needed to do tests and discovered that the child died from HIV. And so tests needed to be done. And this lady had become HIV positive and all that kind of thing. And, and nothing seemed wrong with the guy. I don't even think the guy accepted to do a test to start with. The lady probably got it from her husband, the Catholic, remember? It's not Catholic, I caused it. I'm only telling you what happened in this case. As I speak, she's late. And she told her friends before she died, who came out to tell me, her pastor warned me against this marriage. What you don't know won't hurt you. It can kill you. So know God for yourself. Let God not be a second-hand God to you. Israel knew about God that Moses told them about. But Moses knew the ways of God, and Israel saw the acts of God. Know God for yourself. If your Christianity is Christianity of God of Pastor Adeboye, or God of Pastor Adeboye, or God of Pastor Pizak, you don't know him for yourself. You must know whom you believe, and you must know what you believe. Don't forget, all we're talking about is the fact that your faith must be hinged on something solid. The word of the living God. So, it's a fable to say what you don't know won't hurt you. Number three, once you marry the right person, you will live happily ever after. <laughs> far, 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 far. Once you marry the right person, you will live happily ever after. I don't know why you are laughing. I don't know why. <laughs> Listen to me. Adam and Eve married the right persons. God was a matchmaker. God was the officiating minister. There was no other lady, so there was no affair. There was no mother-in-law. Are you listening to me? Yeah, because you think mother-in-law is the problem. There was no mother-in-law. And did they have challenges? Yes, they did. Adam lost a good job. They lost their home. There are two of the garden, you remember? And then one son killed the other. And that son left home. He didn't send an email. No WhatsApp message, nothing. They never heard from him again. I said, because you might drive pressing, there will be no issue in life. So there are things to do. There are principles to follow for married to walk. If you leave two boats side by side on the lake and do nothing, they will drift apart. I mean, my 34th year of marriage, it, it has never happened that somebody slept in another room. Not only has violence never happened, there has never been a threat of violence. Nobody has said, if you say that again, I will slap you. 
Nobody has said, I'm going to leave or they're going to stay. Short things have never come up in the affairs of marriage. The word divorce has never crossed our minds. But we are doing something about it. You know, this age and time, you're on WhatsApp, you're on the internet, you're on Facebook. So my wife and I have a time that nobody answers phone. Nobody, we must sit together as husband and wife and talk every day. Because if you don't do something, I just leave it. The fact that you married the right person. So that's why I told you about Adam and Eve. They married the right person. God links them up. God was the official minister. And there were still challenges. So the fact of God's word is every wise woman. Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds a house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. So if I say, wife, you are foolish and you are not wise, your home is going to break, even though it was God's perfect will for you to marry. Exodus, excuse me, Ephesians 5 from verse 22. Wives, submit your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even also as Christ is the head of the church. And of course, the Bible also says, husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church. I'm saying there are things to do. There are principles to follow. There are instructions to obey. If you don't do what God says you should do, your marriage is not going to work. So there are Christians whose marriages aren't working. There are Christians who are patching it up and they're not enjoying marriage. And it shouldn't be. If a man will obey what, I mean, I'm talking about both of you are Christians when you marry. I'm not talking about, you know, there are people who are not serious. You say, is he born again? His father is a catechist. Is it his father you are marrying? (laughs) Number four. You can eat and drink whatever you like, do whatever you like. So long as you are prayerful, there will be no problem. You are deceiving yourself. It's a fable. The Bible teaches stewardship. We are stewards of everything that God gives to us. So you can eat what you like, drink what you like, eat whenever you want, and do those things and think you are going to be healthy. No exercise, nothing. You just keep loading food in, and then you are prayerful, and everything is going to be fine. Did Jesus exercise? He went about doing good. He didn't hold our prayer. Look at the distances he covered. When you read the Bible, you see that every time you just ate, he ate fish. He didn't eat meat. Science now knows that fish is better than meat. So I decided to love fish. So I eat fish a lot now because that's what Jesus ate. I saw that I ate fish. Some people don't like fruits and vegetables and all that. If you want to live long, you know what? It's your body that carries your spirit. If you don't look after your body, the moment your body dies, your spirit cannot remain behind to do any work. <laughs> so you have to look after your body. If you see me exercising, you will think it's war. <laughs> These things are important. And you know what I've seen in life? What you do in the morning and afternoon of life with your body will determine your health in the evening of life. I've seen that. I've seen people who eat what they like, drink what they like, do whatever. You know, it's important to open our eyes in life. Look at those who have gone ahead of you. Remember, things, the Bible says things that have been are things that shall be. There's nothing new under the sun. When we were younger, we thought our parents were prophets, isn't it? Because they seem to know everything. It's because they had seen it before. They had seen it before. My oldest brother is about 10 years older than I am. One time when we were younger, our mother said to him, I don't want to see so and so and so in this house anymore. 
I know, ah, mommy, you know, he was a guy. Ah, no. You know, say, if you don't tell them, I will tell them by myself. I don't want to see them anymore. Guess what? Within a week, the guy was arrested. If my brother still kept coming with him, they may have been arrested together. Parents see what you don't see. Some of you now, your parents are saying something. You think, no, you don't want to listen. Just by virtue of experience, things that have been are things that shall be. Experience, one can descend from experience. You know, somebody asked a question yesterday at, at, at the school. I, I was talking about, you, you know, the Bible says, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to descend between good and evil. Yeah, it's not only through the gift of God that you can descend. You can descend from experience. If you have seen it before, it ended that way. You saw it the second time, it ended that way. You can predict that it happens a third time, it's going to end that way. That's why old people are wise, because of experiences of life. We're still talking about facts and fables. Don't forget. I'm going to be done shortly. So you can't eat what you like and drink what you like. And because you are prayerful, nothing's going to happen. First Timothy 4 from verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. So we're talking about faith, talking about good doctrine. You think it's one heavy spiritual thing we're going to say. Here, verse 7. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profit a little. Even that little, let's get it. But godliness profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is coming. You know what the Bible is saying? Bodily exercise is limited. It profits you only in the now. Whereas godliness, which is like spiritual exercise, profits you both now and in the life to come. Do you notice that when you are physically tired, you can't pray? You fall asleep. Everybody's getting blessed in church. You are there and you're not blessed. You can sense their response that what a blessing, but you are struggling to stay awake. Yeah? So your body can affect your spiritual life. You are yawning. Everybody's getting blessed. Ah, and you are feeling, oh no, I should have rested. You can't pray. You can't do anything because you are physically tired. So you must look after your body. If you want to remain to fulfill purpose, you must look after your body. You must look after your mind. You must develop your mind. You know, we talk about spirit in the body of Christ. That's fine, but God gave all to us. He gave us body. He gave us mind. He gave us And the kind of body he gave you is the kind of body you need to fulfill your purpose. Don't wish you were someone else. You are deceiving yourself. I wish I was born an American. That would not have been you. It would have been somebody else. The you is the you where you are born now with your body now. You think you are Kurubete. That's it's you. That's, uh, yeah. that's nobody like you. So there's no need not liking yourself because there's nothing you can do about it. So embrace it. Like it. And guess what? Somebody's going to sleep one day and see that Kurubete person. And she will know, he will know that's God's will for his life. And he's looking for you. And you are not satisfied. And that's what he wants. That's what he likes. I mean, you see some people and you wonder, how, how could this person am I this person? It's not your business. <laughs> Genesis one twenty nine. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Before sin came into the world, vegfu was what God gave to man. Vegetables and fruits. So develop a love for vegetables and fruits if you want to fulfill your purpose in life. Don't just load everything. Don't eat at funny times. God respects seasons. The devil also respects seasons. The Bible says that when Jesus flooded the devil at the temptations, he left him for a season. So even the devil respects seasons. You want to enjoy a good season till ripe old age, work hard now. You see, nobody is ever something because of what you are doing now. If somebody's an engineer now, it's because he went to school of engineering. 
If somebody is a doctor, it's because she went to medical school. Whatever you are doing now is never now. It's the future. So, if I look at your habits now, I can tell what your future will be like. So, do you study the Bible every day? Do you pray every day? Do you, are you developing a work with God every day? Are you doing something? Then I can tell the kind of future you are going to have. But I just go, hey, hey boys, that, you know, that's how you are living life. I can predict your future as well. When our children were in primary school, I spoke in church and I said they came first. And, you know, I, and I said to them, everybody's child comes first in primary school. But you will see them. You will see these children, how they are going to go on in life and become all that they want to be. See, I meet people today and one day, this was such a blessing to me. We went to, someone lost a parent, old parent, not a young parent, somebody in the late 80s. And we were there. And uh, we went to greet because the father, the husband of the person who passed was still alive. And we were leaving and we went out and they said who I was and my wife. And we left. And one old woman came out. I take old people seriously. One old woman came and said, you are so and so person. So, so and so person is your son. Wow. He's such a responsible young man. He's such a blessing. I met him. Susan, piece of work. See that there's a stage in life that no amount of money can give you that kind of joy. I keep hearing about my children. Everywhere they go, everywhere I go, they keep talking about, oh, that's your daughter? Oh, that's your son? And I'm forever grateful to God. Just by raising them on God's word. So, once you come to Christ or come to our church, the problems are over. It's a favor. What you don't know won't hurt you is a favor. Once you marry the right person, you will live happily ever after. It's a favor. You can eat what you like, drink, do whatever. As long as you are prayerful, there's no problem. It's a favor. Finally, it's up to God who prospers in life. It's a favor. It's your destiny. It's a favor. <laughs> it's actually it's up to you. It's up to you. Joshua won a book of laws shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written there. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Somebody said long ago, "You are the architect of your own misfortune." Turn to your neighbor and say, if you do well in life and prosper, it's your fault. Say, if you fail in life, it's your fault. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. First Timothy chapter 6 from verse 8. And having food and clothing with this, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, you see, it's free for all. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and harmful laws which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You've heard people quote money is a root for it's not money, it's a love of money. That's the root of evil, yeah. So somebody can be poor and have the love of money, and somebody can be rich and money doesn't mean anything to him. So do you want to be do you want to go to heaven like Lazarus? Or do you want to go to heaven like Abraham? Abraham was even the issue there because Lazarus was at Abraham's bosom. It was not Abraham that was on Lazarus' bosom. So you can go to heaven like Lazarus. I can go to heaven like Abraham. How do you want to go? It's in your hands. So it's not up to God who prospers in life. It's not up to God who does well in life. It's up to us. Otherwise, unbelievers should not prosper. And when unbelievers are prosper, it's still God that made it happen. 
because we have seen James 1 17, every good gift and every perfect gift from above comes from the power of lies. But you see, God has set things in place. He has set laws in place. There are things on earth that if you do, whether you believe in the law of gravity or not, if you go up this building and jump down, you will see whether the law of gravity exists or not. <laughs> as long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest. Do you notice it's not harvest time? It's seed time and harvest. It's not harvest time. So take every advantage of seed time and your harvest will be continuous. So the Bill Gates of this world will continue to have money even though they are not born again. Because the Bible says the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Somebody who polio doesn't concern and he comes to use his money to take care of polio in Africa, it's not his headache, it's not his problem. But because God has a heart for mankind, if you are here, you want to prosper so you can support God's work. If you are here, you want to prosper so that you can be a blessing to people. There's no devil that can stop your prosperity. Many years ago, you know, members of my family make fun. They think I have a lot of money. My siblings, I mean, they know I don't steal money. But sometimes my sister will say to me, you that someone can just look at and give one million. And I'll say, how many times do you give your pastor one million? You know, I'll say that. But the day it happened for the first time, I didn't tell her. When somebody gave me one million the first time, long ago. And uh, so I thanked the person. I said, you know what I want? <laughs> Listen, the husband will have money. I want to do something. And his wife will tell him, I wish you would give Pastor and Pastor Bridget money, one million. Ah. Can you imagine? Your husband will buy you a car or do something. And you thank him, but say, hi, wish, so, 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 so. Me, I had no idea. I didn't know what was happening. And uh, so the man got tired of hearing it. Because again, he would do something, you have to say, but, but thank you, but hi, wish. So, <laughs> so the annoyance in the man's family became a blessing to me. So, okay, I'll give it. He won't be like that. So, <laughs> Many years ago, I saw in the Bible, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine by the size of thine house. So I said to my wife, that's a thine house for everybody. It's time for thine house for us now. Pastor's salary, how much could it have been? I'm talking about somebody like 18 years ago. How, how much do you think somebody can pay a pastor as per salary? I, you know. But I said, since it's a promise in the Bible, thine house. So let's build. Now in the neighborhood we live, there's no free accommodation there. There's no space. Everybody in places, everybody's living in the house there. But we believed God that we will move from our house and stay in the same neighborhood for two years. That's what we could believe God for and build the house in those two years. Since we were very busy on our way out to work in the morning, we'll see on our way back. So there is no one five-way place that you go and be checking something that there was no time for that. But we knew there was no accommodation in the neighborhood. So we said we are going to do it, and we agreed. I'm talking about things based on the fact of God's word. And then I came home, and there was a courier message. And I opened the courier message. I said, ah. My wife said, what's that? So I gave her the envelope. She also said, ah, you know what happened? There was a place, I'm talking about long ago, that they said, they wrote a letter from a church and said, God asked us to give you one million naira 
for whatever your family project is now. It's not for the church you pastor. It's for your family personally. They wrote it in the letter three times. Because ordinarily I would assume that it's for church, that kind of thing. So to be clear that they will know you, it's for you personally, for whatever God is laying on your heart now to do as a family. So when I say, I say ah, I give myself, ah, may you say that kind of ah? Yeah. Listen, listen. So God showed his hand that something mighty was going to happen. I had Kenneth Higgins magazine with me. I was taking it to work and bringing it back every day. I, w- I didn't have time to read it. I was taking it to work and back every day. Work and back every day. The following day, for some reason, I was able to open it. The first article there by Kenneth Hagen Jr. was, there is more where that came from. Oh. When I opened it, I, was like, I said, amen, I receive it. <laughs> I was coming from outside the country and uh, there's a church I preached a couple of times and uh, I was on the same flight, apparently, with a brother and a sister, members of that church. Ah, the Christian pastor, are they? Oh, you are on, we're on the same flight, that kind of thing. And their older sister, who worked in a bank, I think a manager or something, came to visit them or came to pick them at the airport. I know long leg in Nigeria. They allowed her to reach where she shouldn't have reached for trolley and all that. And uh, so the person just introduced me and said, This is Pastor Kolade. You know, ah, he's been to our church many times, blah, 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 blah. Oh, hello, madam. You know, nice meeting you. That was all. So I was pushing my truck to leave, and the woman wrapped something in, in, in uh, a handkerchief and said, Please use this for the trolley, Pastor. Oh, thank you. I'm a nice woman. You know, how much was trolley there? I can't remember. It's maybe 100 naira or 50 naira, something like that. So I just put it in my pocket. I didn't bother. When I got home and I opened it, you know what was there? 100,000 naira. Ha. Is that how someone just carries 100,000 and you just give somebody you are meeting? <laughs> my wife gave me an envelope when I got home and said, So and so person dropped this envelope for you. Why didn't you open it now? I opened it. 100,000 naira. The Bible says, Once has God spoken, twice have I heard. Anybody who gave me envelope at that time, I knew 100,000 would be inside. 100,000 was inside. It was too real to be coincidental. We've been living in that house for more than 18 years now. That's how that house got built. One day, because the Bible says that uh, a good man lives and has for his children's children, and the Bible says houses and riches are from fathers, but the praying right is from the Lord. So I said, so God expects a good man to build a house for his children as well. It's not when I die that it will come. So my wife and I again, see the first one, I, if you come to my office, I can show you the, the, the paper. I wrote pro, Project 128.3 because thy wife shall be like the size of thy house. So everything that was means I put it there. So I opened another one, Proverbs 13, where the Bible says that I called it Proverbs something, something that means we're going to be for each of the children. And then it happened also that supernaturally, listen to me, God is real. God is real. If I start to tell you what I've seen in the place of working with God, it will pay you that you didn't start working with God long ago. You wish you were born again before you were born. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know no matter how close you are to someone, they can't taste for you? They can describe what they have taken, but you have to taste for yourself to see that God is good. I challenge you this morning, to take hold of God's word and act on it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Fables are stories that don't exist. As long as you bathe your faith on the fact of God's word, your experiences will line up. Let's stand up to our feet to pray.
If you got anything from God's word today, thank him for it. Give him glory and honor. It, it works in every area of life. It works in every area of life. It works spiritually, works emotionally, works mentally, works physically, works materially, works socially. Every area of life. Your foundation of faith is God's word. Bless his name. Bless his name. Honor him. Adore him. He's worthy. He deserves it. Please, can you come touch the keyboard very lightly? Very lightly. Glory to God forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lamb of God. We give you the glory and honor. We appreciate you. There's no one like you in heaven above, on earth, on earth, in the earth. Thank you for my life. Thank you for your purpose for me. Go ahead and pray. I thank you for I'm called by your name. Thank you for your love so amazing. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Ghost and power. Thank you for planting me in this assembly. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my fiancé. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for everything around about me. I appreciate you for your faithfulness. New day every morning. Even today, I've got to enjoy your faithfulness. Thank you for your, thank you for my career. I make up my mind from today to act like your word is so because it is. I'm going to build my life on your word. I'm going to build my career on your word. I'm going to build my ministry on your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. today, you know you are not right with God. That's the most important decision you can ever take in life. You want to give your life to Jesus. Somebody invited you or you came by yourself. Don't play church. Don't be religious. Give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're such a person today, I just want to pray for you quickly. I'm going to take my seat in a few minutes. If you will lift your hand and put it down, I know you want to be prayed for. So just lift your hand. I want to be born again. Or I used to be born again. I backslid. I want to come back to him. If you will just lift your hand above your head. And once I see it, I know you are saying, pray for me. Anyone like that today? Anyone like that today? The Bible says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Anyone like that today? You want to give your life to Jesus? You want to be born again? Or you are born again, you want to come back to him? Is there anyone like that? No one. No one. Let me pray for people in need of healing because he sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You need healing for your body? Lay your hand on that part of your body. Lay your hand on that part of your body. I, I see a goiter, not here. It's your loved one. I think your mother, I'm not 100% sure, but I think somebody's mother has a goiter, you know, the swelling in the front of the neck. But somebody who is your immediate family, and I want to pray for the person because you're here. I want to pray for the person. So hands are laid on the of the body. If the goiter thing concerns you, can you raise your hand? I want to see who is claiming it.
Okay? So put your hand in front of your neck as you receive it. Thank you, Father, for hands are laid on different parts of the body. Thank you for healing. Aches, pains, infirmities disappear now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, touch the neck of the person who has a goiter. I believe you, Lord, go for it to disappear now. I believe you to reverse whatever thing had been done negatively in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name. As a member of your family who has been married for a while, it's a concern because that person's marriage has been threatened because the marriage is childless up till now. Everything seemed honky-dory at the beginning. It's, it's unbelievable the kinds of things you're hearing about what is happening. I mean, you thought this shouldn't be, but anyway, that's what is. But because of you, God wants to reach out to your loved one today. I want to pray for you. If that's a member of your family, I think the person is the second born. Every head bowed, every eye shut. If I'm talking about you, please lift your hand. I want to pray concerning your loved one. I see your hand. I see your hand. Everybody join faith with me. Father, now I see two hands. I know you are talking about somebody specifically with the person about the second born. It can work for the other person as well. And so we believe you, Lord, because you said there shall not be barren in their land. We speak against it. It's a favor because it contradicts your word. And we believe you for your power to break through and we receive seed in those marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. Conception of normal healthy seed. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Somebody's younger brother is autistic. Let me not bother to ask people to leave their hands anymore. Father, I believe you that the child, that person will begin to do well. I believe you that there will be such a drastic and remarkable recovery that things will begin to do so well in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for doing it. Would you like to present your needs before God this morning? Do you have a need? Is there something you like God to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. He knew what he wanted. Do you know what you want? Just take a minute and ask God to do what you desire. Father, we're grateful because your word says, and we believe it, that your eyes are upon the righteous. Your eyes are open to their prayers. Thank you because you have heard us. And as your children have spoken in your ears, so will you do unto them. Your hand is stretched forth, none can turn it back. Whatever it is, they trust you for today. That doesn't negate scriptures, we count it down. We'll receive with gratitude and glory and honor. We'll ascribe unto your name alone. In the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this assembly this morning. I thank you for everyone who is here in this service. I thank you for the other services. I thank you for your servants. I thank you for your people. I thank you for what you are doing by your spirit which is so clear. And Lord Nicodemus said to Jesus, no one can do these things except God be with him. Thank you for your hand upon your servants. And I receive fresh oil today. Fresh oil to see beyond what they saw before. To hear what they didn't hear before from God. To know what you want them to know and to walk in the light of it. And it will be from glory to glory. It will be from favor to favor. It will be from increase to increase. And all you lay your hands on for to do shall prosper in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who come in contact with you, we can't be privileged to be associated with you. Your lives will be beautiful. Your lives will be glorious. Everything will be fine. And people will catch it from you. And it will bring forth fruit in other places as well. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise, where several glory and honor. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall it be. So it is even now. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Please lift up your hands, please, and give God the glory.